Welcome to the podcast at the Hill. You are about to hear a message from Pastor Daniel Blaylock entitled "Growing Old with Grace" from our series "Different." Our services. I, I pray that you would anoint me today as I preach and open our hearts as we receive, and we'll give you thanks in Jesus' strong name. And everybody said, "Amen." You can be seated today. One more time, give the Lord a great hand of praise in God's house. Amen. 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 Great job to the choir and team today, amen, leading us in uh, some great heritage songs of our faith, amen. Man, I hope you enjoyed them. I know our senior adults enjoyed them. I enjoyed them too. I love the music of our heritage, amen, amen. If you have your Bible, I'm in Titus chapter 2 today is where we'll be looking. Titus chapter 2, we're going to look at the first few verses uh, together, amen. Titus chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5. If you find it there, we'll be looking together in just a minute. Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Amen. We're talking about our senior adults today and the heritage of faith. And I want to talk to you today about growing old gracefully. Say that with me. Growing old gracefully. And I don't just mean looking your best as you grow old, but I mean growing in the grace of Jesus as you grow old. Amen. And it doesn't matter if you're a young person here today, you won't always be. And all the senior adults said, you hear that warning? Enjoy it. It doesn't last forever. Amen. Christians are called to be different. We've been talking about that the last few weeks together. Different. The Bible word for different is what? Holy, yes, holy is the Bible's word for different. We're called to be different. First Peter, he says, be holy as I am holy. That was repeated from God's command in Leviticus. Different, what kind of different? Different in the way that Jesus is different. That's the way we're called to be different. Two weeks ago, we talked about that Christians have a different way of dealing with hurt. Amen? We love our enemies. We pray for those who despitefully use us. And we forgive one another whenever we've hurt or offended one another. We're different in that way. And by doing so, we prove that we are children of our Father who's in heaven. Last week, we talked about how believers are different in their sexual ethics than the culture around us. The goal of life, according to the world, is to gratify our physical desires. But according to God's word, the goal of life is to glorify Him and to live our life in such a way that would bring honor to the name of Jesus and that would cause others who watch us to know we're different because we know the Lord. Today we're going to talk about how the Bible has a very different view of aging than the culture around us. And whether you're there are headed there, I can assure you this is the reality for all of us should the Lord tarry. So if you're not there yet, take some notes, tuck them away, you'll need them eventually. Amen. Amen. Our culture today is obsessed with youth culture and staying younger and everything that goes along with that. Our culture is obsessed with youthfulness. Have you noticed that? Youthfulness, it's just the thing in uh, Europe and America that we seem to be fixated on. I remember when I was in high school and the Brian Adams song, Summer of 69, came out. Some of you remember that great iconic album like I do. I had the cassette. That's how old I am. Don't laugh at me. Some of you probably had an 8-track, right, in your car. Yes, so I'm not that old, but I had the cassette. I think I've still got the cassette. Brian Adams, Summer of 69. The chorus said, those were the best years of my life. You remember that? 
Those were the best years of my life. I remember that. It was the tale of a middle-aged man looking back on his high school years, reminiscing about chasing girls and playing in a garage band and how those were the best years of his life. Now, I think about those were the best days of my life. That is rather depressing when you likely have more of your life ahead of you than you do behind you. Amen? I hear people all the time looking back at high school saying those were the best years of my life. I am so thankful that that was not true for me. Amen? I couldn't wait to graduate from high school. And I can tell you on the other side, there are much better things on this side. So if you're there, hang in there. I promise it gets a lot better. Amen? And if those are the best years of your life, may God bless you. Amen? Because amen, you, you really need to, to, to come out from under that rock and see all the good things God has for you in your future. We talk about this. We, we look back with fondness on our youthful years. Women fight against aging with a barrage of cosmetic products from Olay Regenerist to Rodan and Fields Face Care. Mary Kay, Clinique, they all have their skincare lines that offer a few drops of lotion from the fountain of youth for the small price of one car payment. <laughs> Many revert to even more drastic measures, plastic surgery, surgery, facelift, tummy tucks, all those kinds of elective things. I always know something's going on when I hear someone's having surgery and they just don't want the pastor to come and pray for them. You know then somebody's having work done and they just don't want you to know about it, okay? So they, I just pray for you from a distance. I hope that goes well. I hope it's worth the money and I hope we all notice the difference on Sunday when you come back, amen? I, what can you say? That's just how that goes. Men, we get caught up in it as well. Oftentimes we spend as much time worried about our appearance as our ladies do. We fight the battle of the bulge. We wage war against the Dunlap disease. We get the Chester drawer syndrome where our chest drops to our drawers, right? We, we fight against that as, as we get older. And then we have this receding. The ladies, their hair turns gray and they can color that, but ours turns loose and there's really not a lot you can do about that, right? We fight that all that we can. Some of us just do the comb over, and some of us don't even worry about it anymore. Amen? We just, it is what it is. Some even seek to avoid responsibility of their wives and their children so that they can chase pursuits of youth and hold on to the last vestiges of their freedom that they once enjoyed before they're required to start adulting. This society's theme song is Forever Young. That's what we want to be. Stanford University professor Robert Harris wrote recently, For the first time in human history, the young have become a model for emulation for the older people rather than the other way around. Did you hear me? For all of human history, the trend has typically been that younger people look to older people to emulate and find their role model and examples. But that has reversed in our society, and now our older people look to our young people and seek to be more like them. If you don't believe it, then just look at the, all the skinny jean pastors that we have in America today. Amen? Amen. Now, if they were 17, they could wear those skinny jeans and they would look okay. But when your body shape, something happens around 40, and you should probably just put the skinny jeans away. Amen? Because you're not skinny. It isn't the genes, okay? It's the genes, the G-E-N-E-S, not the J-E-A-N-S. Yeah. There's something wrong with the genes. It's your genes, right? You're gaining in some areas you can't help, and you should probably dress appropriately. Yeah, yeah. Lord, help us. 
But this is what's happened in America. Older adults are taking their cues from the younger population rather than the other way around. Listen, we are faced with the reality um, that aging is creeping up on the United States population. We are witnessing the graying of America. Many people come to churches and they notice there are far more older people in church than there are young people. I have a news flash for you. There are far more older people in America than there are younger people. So it isn't just in the church. This is the reality for the world that you and I live in. In less than 20 years, the graying of America will be inescapable. Older adults will outnumber kids for the first time in U.S. history in the next 20 years if we stay on the current growth track that we're on in this country. Already the middle-aged outnumber children, but the country will reach a new milestone. By 2035, the Census Bureau says... Older adults will edge out children in population size. People 65 and older are expected to account for 78 million, while children 18 and under will only be about 76 million. PRB reports the number of Americans age 65 and older is projected to double from 52 million in 2018 to 95 million by 2060. And the 65-year-old population and greater, their total share of the population will go from 16% to 23% of the United States. Can you believe that? Amen. So if you are a senior adult, listen, there are a lot of you. What happened? Well, my grandparents had lots of children. They had seven children on each side. My mom and dad both came from families of seven. They did not reproduce in those same numbers. They did not replace themselves in those kinds of numbers. My mom and dad each came from families of seven, and they had me. Yeah, that's it. Lots of you are the same way. You came from large families of 8 to 10, and you may have had two or three children. And so now we have this large number of senior adults that are getting older and a smaller number of young adults and middle-aged adults that are replacing them. Just as we've talked about in regard to sexual ethics and the way we deal with her, God has a lot to say in His Word about aging and about how we view life as we get older and the way we should see ourselves and one another on this journey. So I want us to look at that today, and we're going to do that. In just a moment, we'll be in Titus 2. Hold a finger there. But I want to give you a few verses. Number one, God has a very different estimation of older people. Aren't you thankful for that today? Can I tell you today, the Lord loves senior adults. You say that with me. The Lord loves senior adults. We live in the culture today that often does not esteem older people. They often lose respect. And they communicate this message that there's a lack of usefulness or desirability about getting older. But that's not what the Bible says about it. God has a very different estimation of older people. Contrary to what the culture says, getting older is not a curse. It is a blessing and a gift. Amen. If you think about the alternative to getting older, that becomes apparent very quickly, right? Nobody wants to sign up for the alternative. Amen. Not just yet. Here we are. Getting older is a gift. Leviticus 19 and 32 says, Stand up in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God, for I am the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs 17 and 6, Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. There's something beautiful about becoming a grandparent. Most of the grandparents I've met said, If I knew about grandkids, I'd have just skipped kids and went straight to grandkids. They're that wonderful, amen? 
Yes. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 31, The silver-haired head is a crown of glory if it is found in the way of righteousness. There's something glorious about being older and having lived out your faith in God and seen Him keep His promises and watching your children and their children continue to walk in that path. John said, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in the truth. What a great joy that is. Amen. The Bible says in Job 12 and 12, Wisdom is with the aged and length of days, understanding. These things with length of days, understanding. Wisdom, understanding come with getting older. Amen. That's what the Word of God says. So God has a very different estimation of older people. Say estimation. But God also has a very different expectation from older people. And I want to talk to our senior saints for a moment from Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Hear the word of the Lord. He says, Titus, but as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men may be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women likewise, that they may be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. That's what the Word of God says. The key idea here is contained in that little phrase that the older men may be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith and love and patience. The older women likewise. You see that word likewise? Underline it. What he's saying is what I said to the men also applies to the women. So whether you are a male or female today, God's word for senior adults is this little package right here in the middle. Be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, hope, love, patience. That's what God's Word is for us today. This is the, this is the import of it. We, are, we often take for granted that we will possess these qualities when we get older. When you're a young person or you're a middle-aged person, you often think, well, you know, I'm going to be a sweet senior adult. I'm going to be one of those sweet old people. But can I tell you today, that is not guaranteed. It isn't. It's not guaranteed. You have to make the choice now to become a sweet senior adult, amen, to become a sweet saint, or you will become a bitter, mean, grumpy, old person, amen. Either of those is a live option for us. We have to choose what we will grow into and become, amen, and so God, God's Word tells us this. You and I are called it the, the proof that this is not automatic is that Paul has to command it. Do you notice that? He says, I'm commanding older Christians to exhibit these qualities. You don't have to command something that's automatic, right? You have to command something that requires effort and diligence and labor on our part. Paul says, this is God's expectation of us as we get older. What are those expectations? Notice it. There's a difference here. We are to grow into these qualities. We are to take active steps to acquire these characteristics. There's a difference between 20 years of experience and one year of experience repeated 20 times. And some people get older, but they don't get sweeter. Amen. In fact, my experience has been grumpy old people were usually grumpy middle-aged people. So if you're my age today, don't think that getting older is going to help. If you're grumpy now, imagine you with arthritis. 
Yes. If you're having trouble in your marriage now, wait till he retires and he's home eight hours a day. All the senior saints said, uh-huh. You see, we have to be growing in these qualities even now. And so don't just, this isn't just for the senior adults. This is for all of us. This is what God expects us to be in the process of becoming even now. Number one, sober. Say sober. That's a good place to start. He says older men and women ought to be sober. They ought to be free from out the influence of something that would contaminate their thinking. They ought to be free from the influence of alcohol and drugs. They ought to be free from the influence of anything that would Call their, cause their judgment to waver. Peter uses this term in 1 Peter 5 and 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, like a roaring lion, goes about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith. We are to resist this enemy. The devil doesn't let up as we get older. Right, senior saints? He doesn't take a vacation just because you become an older believer. Temptations still come. Often the trials get even harder than before. As people sail into their retirement or their health limits their mobility, their world often shrinks and they can become self-focused. The enemy takes advantage of that, tempts us to despair or doubt God's goodness. He tries to get us to give up or buy into the entitlement mentality that we have our time, our money, all these gifts and abilities, and we deserve the right to just sit down and not do anything anymore for the kingdom. We have everything, our, we want to have everything our way because we've earned the right to finally have it our way. And we can get full of self instead of full of the Spirit if we're not careful. Amen. That's the danger. We are to be sober. We are to think with right judgment. We are to not to have a clouded view of life. We shouldn't get drunk on self or drunk on anything that the world has to offer. Paul, John Paul Desart said, The more sand that has escaped from the hourglass of our life, the clearer we should be able to see through it. Amen. We should get clearer in our thinking, not foggier as life goes on. I don't mean remembering where you left your keys. I mean the understanding of what is important. And that brings us to the second word. We're to be sober. Number two, we're to be serious. Say serious. Now by serious, I don't mean somber. I don't mean someone who's no fun. I don't mean someone who's a wet blanket all the time and just doesn't have any enjoyment in life. It means reverent. It means dignified. An older person ought to have a sense of gravitas about them. There ought to be something that you can look at their life and say, they have figured out some things. They have learned some lessons. They are grounded, and they would be a good source of wisdom if I could go sit down and talk with them. Serious. One commentator said it this way, it doesn't mean they're boring, gloomy people. It means they're not frivolous. They are not flippant. They are serious in life. They have lived long enough to see that life is a serious thing. Though they are over the feeling of immortality and invincibility that plagues young people. They've seen too much and felt too much to be trivial. They have buried their parents in most cases. They have buried their sisters and brothers in many cases. They have stood in hospital waiting rooms while those that they loved died. 
Many have lost spouses and even children. They have been waiting for the surgeon to come out and explain what happened in the cancer surgery to a life partner. They've watched a child rebel against all that they taught them. They've watched a child born who turned away from everything they believed in. They've witnessed a child die of leukemia. They've watched a child die of cancer. They've seen it all. They have felt it all. They have borne the burdens of their own life and their family and the burdens of many other people whom they have shared life with. They have come through the dis- to the disillusioning reality and fact that the world is not going to get any better and they couldn't make it better and nobody else can either. And that has made them not morbid, not cynical, but serious. And if you hang around older people, be careful. Many times they're not cynical, they're not pessimistic, they're just realistic. Because they've been through enough to know that life isn't always as rosy and as nice as younger people tend to paint the picture going forward. And all the older saints said, amen. There ought to be a soberness and a seriousness about us as we get older. We understand more about life and we grow. Number three, there ought to be self-control. Say self-control. Now this is interesting to me that Paul would point this out because I know that as we get older, we tend to lose our self-control, right? If we're not careful, we won't grow in this area. We'll, grow, we'll go the other direction, amen? Loss of self-control can be a major problem as we get older in life. We begin to lose our filter. And things that we used to would have not said, we find ourselves saying. In fact, if you want to know the honest truth, ask a senior adult. Because they'll usually just go ahead and tell you. Why? Because there's nothing more dangerous than a man with nothing to lose. Amen? And many of them feel like they have nothing to lose, and so they're just going to tell you. But sometimes we can get carried away with that. We can lose our self-control. We can lose the grip on our emotions. The word here is the same word that we derive brakes on a car from. I love that. Self-control is the ability to throw on the brakes, the ability to slow down the wagon, the ability to rein in our emotions and control our words. Self-control. Amen. Number four, sound. Say sound. The word means solid. It also means healthy. Being of sound mind and body, right? It means you've got your health. Your body is intact. Your mind has its integrity. Healthy, solid, stable, dependable. And Paul gives us three areas where we ought to be healthy as we get older. Number one, healthy and sound in faith. Say faith. Senior adults have been through enough to know that God can be trusted. They've been through enough to know that he's faithful, and so they don't scare as easy as they used to. They they have the ability to manage the anxiety that used to take them under. Oh, they still feel it. It's still there. They still know how difficult things can get. But they've been through enough to know that God is going to keep his promises, and so they are strong and sound in faith. Number two, they're sound in love. Say love. They love, listen, they have learned to let stuff roll off. They've learned how to give and receive grace. They know that life is not all about them, and so they're generous. Generous with their time. Generous with their gifts and abilities. Generous with their finances often. It always amazes me whenever you look and see how much financial giving and support for any local church comes from its senior saints. It's always been the case. 
They're generous, they're free-hearted, and they're willing to give and invest in the things of God. And oftentimes it is not just because they have more spending power or they're not raising their kids anymore. Oftentimes it's just because they've learned what matters and they believe the kingdom of God is important and they invest in it deeply. Why? Because they're not saving for their 401k anymore. They're saving for something else. They're doing what Jesus said. They're laying up treasure in heaven where moth and rust don't corrupt and thieves don't break in and steal because they're not, par- they're not preparing for retirement here. They're, repair- they're preparing for retirement there. Amen. And they're sending on some things ahead of them. I want to tell you, as you get older, invest more deeply in the kingdom of God. I heard the story of two men who went to heaven, and one of them was there, and he, he realized that how beautiful everything was, and he had given faithfully to God's work and invested in God's kingdom. And when he got to heaven, St. Peter escorted him down to his mansion, and he was blown away with the beauty of it. It was everything we sang about this morning. And he celebrated and shouted. His friend was with him, and his friend had mainly invested in his own life and done what he wanted to do. He had not given much at all to the kingdom. He didn't tithe. He just tipped. He would give a little here and there. But he really didn't think a lot about preparing for eternity. And so when he gets there, St. Peter takes him down the street and he finds this little shack and he introduces him and says, this is where you're going to live. And he said, are you kidding? My friend got the mansion and this is all I've got. And Peter said, well, sir, this is all we could do with the material that you sent up here. You and I need to be sending something on ahead of us to prepare us for that day. It doesn't mean we can earn our salvation, but can I tell you this? The Bible is very clear that some of us will have an abundant entrance and a great reward. And some of us will get in just by grace and not have a lot to show for our lives. As you get older, you begin to think about that reality that we're going to stand before the Lord. We ought to be sound in love, living, giving in love. The third one is perseverance. Say perseverance. We ought to be sound, tenacious. The word patience in the King James has lost its impact in the modern day. When we think of patient today, we think of passive, just sitting back and relaxing while we wait. That is not what the word means in the original language. It's the idea of bearing up under a great burden. It is perseverance. It is endurance. It is pressing toward the goal in the face of great opposition. Those who are strong in perseverance, sound in patience, have developed their stamina, their endurance. They are oak trees in the forest of God. They learned how to draw on God's supernatural strength for their walk with God. One of the great heroes of the faith for me, is, if you know me at all, is a man named John Wesley. As John Wesley began to get older... He, as always happens, began to slow down and he got very frustrated that he was no longer able to preach six and eight times a day as his custom had been for most of his ministry. John Wesley traveled 250,000 miles on horseback or by foot to preach the gospel during his lifetime. He preached over 40,000 sermons. He wrote 400 books and knew 10 languages. At 83... He was annoyed that he could not write for more than 15 hours a day without his eyes giving out. At 86, he was ashamed that he could only preach twice a day anymore. And he said since his 86th birthday, he had to admit there was an increasing tendency to lay in the bed until 5.30 in the morning. What a terrible deficit in one's character. Hmm. 
What's the point? He did not give up or let up. He was determined to run the race faithfully to the end. He was determined to cross the finish line, laying as much as possible at the feet of Jesus to say thank you for the grace that he'd received. I love that. And so that's God's expectation of us as we get older, to be sober and serious, to be self-controlled and sound. Well, finally, can I tell you today, as we get older, God has some very distinct encouragement for us. God doesn't just have high expectations for us. He doesn't just have a different estimation of what getting older should mean. He has some promises for us to encourage us on the journey. Amen? I love these promises. In Psalm 71, verses 9 to 11, the psalmist cries out to the Lord and says, Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails. For my enemies speak against me, and those who lie in wait for my life take counsel together, saying, God has forsaken him. Pursue and take him, for there is none to deliver him. Often we may feel like the psalmist in these verses, but God gives us his promises to carry us through. There are some general promises that are still true for us. Say general promises. Oftentimes as we get older, the promises that we have known and leaned on tend to lose their grip on us. We say, oh, I've heard those before. Listen, they're still true. They're just as true as the first time you heard them. They're just as true as the first time you quoted them and committed them to your memory. God's promises are still true for us as we get older. Psalm 34 and 17, the righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. He saves such as have a contrite spirit. Aren't you thankful for that? God still hears our prayer as we get older. God still promises to deliver us. Isaiah 41 and 10, one of my favorite promises. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Every Christian ought to have that promise committed to memory somewhere. What a great promise we can lean on. But can I tell you today, God also has some special promises for us as we get older. There's some promises in the Bible that are just devoted to people as they grow up in years. God has some promises for us as we get older. Number one, He promises that our life can still be meaningful even, and we can keep bringing Him glory even into old age. Do you hear me? Just because you get older doesn't mean you outlive your usefulness. No, that isn't true. You become even more useful in the things of God. When I pastored my first church, Brother J.O. Walker had been there for 37 years. He retired at 76 years old from having pastored this church most of his ministry. And he told me when I got there, he said, Son, you got your degree, now you're about to get your education. And he was right. That first church was better than my seminary degree. It was my education. Amen. The other thing he said to me was, Son, at my age, we let the young oxes like you pull the load, and we on the back just keep the plow off the stumps. Amen. You're strong enough to pull the load, but the old ox knows where the stump holes are. Right? Yes. Amen. A new broom sweep clean, but the old one knows the corners. Right? Amen. And so he encouraged me. But what he knew was that his usefulness was not done. I used to ask him, I said, Brother Walker, what are you doing now that you're retired? He still went to his barber shop every morning and cut hair for one hour 
and he would see his old friends who would come in every day. The other thing he would do is when he left there, he would come to the church and he would take his notebook and he had the names of his family and friends and every day he would call them in the presence of the Lord. I said, Brother Walker, why do you do that? He said, Daniel, I read in the book of Revelation that God bottles up our tears and God collects the prayers of his saints and he bottles them up in heaven and when their time is ripe, he opens them up and he pours them out before the altar and he answers those prayers. He said, I have some grandchildren that don't know the Lord. I have some in my family that don't walk with God yet. And he said, there's one thing that I know that will work even after I'm gone. Even after I die, my prayers will still work. He said, I'm shoving as many prayers into a bottle for my grandchildren as I can before I leave this world. Wow, what a great way to look at retirement. I'm going to shove as many prayers into that bottle as I can before I leave here. Grandparents, one of the things that you can do is you can push prayers in a bottle that will sit on the altar in front of God for all eternity. Amen? You can be fruitful. Psalm 92, the righteous flourish like a palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Notice this. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Read that with me. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Yes. They will be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in him. The Lord promises us that we will have His presence and His strength, His delivering power working on our behalf as we get older. Isaiah 46 and 3, Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel. You who have been upheld by me from birth, who have been carried from the womb. Do you hear that? That's the testimony of God's people. He has held you up since your birth. He has sustained you since the day you were born. What is His promise to you? Even to your old age, I am He. Even to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. Even I will carry and I will deliver you. Glory to God. What a great promise as we get older. We begin to wonder. The devil gets on our shoulder and says, nobody's thinking about you. Nobody's calling or coming to visit you. Can I tell you, there'll never be a day when you are not on God's mind. There'll never be a day when he isn't thinking about you. There'll never be a day that he forsakes you. There'll never be an hour that he gives up on you. There'll never be a trial that you walk through alone. Even to old age, unto gray hairs, he says, I will be with you, I will carry you, and I will deliver you. That is a promise for us as we get older and we walk through this life. Amen? He promises that our suffering and our sorrow is not wasted and it is never pointless. Oh, what a great promise. As we get older, we suffer many things, but God promises us that those things are never in vain. They're never wasted. Our trials are never for no end and no purpose. The Bible says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction. Say light affliction. The hardest thing you're going through right now compared to eternity is light affliction. That's what Paul says. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Say a moment. Oh, a day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. It may seem like it's a long trial. It may seem like a difficult time. But when you lay it up against the timeline of the eternity that is waiting on us, all of our sufferings are but for a moment. Say a moment. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us. Say it's working for us. 
You feel like your trials are working on you, but God says your trials are working for you. Amen? They're not working on you. They're working for you. And they're working for you an exceeding eternal weight of glory. That's God's promise for us. So what do we do? He says it here. So we look at the things not which are seen, but the things that are not seen. Because the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not are eternal. I shared this passage yesterday when we celebrated the homegoing of our friend, Miss Gail Boyd. And her family is here with us today. Keep them in your prayers. We talked about this. The things that are eternal, we, we fix our eyes on those. And it gives us the strength to get through our trials. He promises to continue to hear us when we pray, even all the way to the end, and then to take us home to heaven. Psalm 91, 15, He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Then what? With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen? Amen. That's God's promise for us. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me how long? And then what? Then I will? Yes. That's the promise of God. As we grow older. That's why the choir sang this morning. Wait till you see my brand new home. It's true. It's real. And it's waiting for us. Reserved in heaven for us. Finally he promises that even if I lose temporarily to sickness and death. All that will be returned one day. Whatever I lose temporarily to sickness and death will be returned to me. 2 Corinthians 5 and 1. For we know that if our earthly house This tent is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. It's great to see Luana and Cricket back there. I've watched them as they've walked through recently and many others in this room who've walked through these last year or so, last couple years, the loss and the death of a spouse. I remember a conversation I had recently uh, had with Luana right before Mac passed away. I had that same conversation with them. Another one of our members recently who found out that their spouse was going through a very debilitating disease. Let me tell you what the Lord laid on my heart to share. As you watch a loved one who begins to take that decline and heading toward the moment when they will leave this world, that's a very difficult thing. This is what the Lord dropped in my spirit as we sat there and talked one day. Here's the reality. You know what? Here's what I learned about Mac as I watched him make his journey home. Sickness was only able to take and touch his body. It was never able to get into his spirit. All the way to the end, he maintained that sweetness and that, that, that grip on his joy and his peace and his confidence in the Lord Jesus. And yet, as cancer advanced and we watched him decline, Lawana would often share, Pastor, it's hard. It seems like the enemy comes and says, I'm going to take him and there's nothing you can do about it. You ever been there? Where the enemy closes in and he says, I'm about to take and there's nothing you can do. I'm attacking and you can't stop me. You're about to go through this dark tunnel and there's no way to detour or avoid going through the dark tunnel. You've been there? If not, you will, I promise you. All God's people pass this way. But this is what the Lord reminded us of as we walked through that. I said, Luana, here's the truth though. The sickness and the disease can only touch his body. And even that is only temporary. He could touch his body and even take his life. Death is the last enemy that must be destroyed. But here's what we found out. Here's what we found out from God's Word. You know what? Even though the enemy may touch your body and sickness may take you down to the grave, listen to me, even that is only a temporary victory that the enemy gets to have. He doesn't get to hold on even to our bodies forever. 
Why? We lay them in the grave in sure and certain hope of God's resurrection, the resurrection of the dead and the coming of the Lord because there will be a day when Jesus comes again and He unlocks the grave for every believer who knew Him and trusted in Him. And the Bible says that the dead will hear His voice and they will come alive and our bodies will be made like unto His glorious body and that He will raise us and death will be swallowed up by life and mortality will be swallowed up by immortality and we will say death where is your sting grave where is your victory thanks be to God who gives us this victory through our Lord Jesus Christ even what death and sickness take from us is only a temporary claim Jesus has promised us that on the last day everything we lost will be restored to us everything sickness took everything death claimed it will have to turn loose of its claim death cannot keep its prey hear me today our Lord has robbed the grave and we are Easter people and there will be a day whenever it must give back everything that it took whatever we lose is only a temporary loss say it's temporary but what we have gained through our faith in Jesus is an eternal inheritance kept in heaven for us reserved for us who are kept by the power of God through faith. Stand with me all over God's house today. These are the promises of God for us as we get older. These are the things that we can build our lives upon. Maybe you're a younger person here today and say, Well, Pastor, this is not for me. I'm not, I'm not old yet. Hmm. Ask your children if you are. Some of your kids have quite a higher estimation of your age than you do, according to that video, right? Yeah. Listen, we won't just wake up one day and magically become the kind of older senior adult that we want to be. We have to start now developing and becoming that kind of person. When I was in college, we had an, one of my best friends would stand at our college campus ministry every Tuesday night with a bag of peppermint. And he would pass them out and hand them to everybody. His name was Chris. I said, Chris, why do you do that? Chris was a year younger than me. He was 20 years old, and he was standing there handing out peppermint. And he said, because when I was a kid, my favorite person at church was an old man who stood at the door and gave all the kids peppermint. He said, and I decided I wanted to be that old man, and I wasn't going to wait until I got old to become him. <laughs> I love that. That's the attitude. I want to become someone who is sound in faith, love, perseverance. Someone who is sober and serious and has a good view of life. Someone who walks in self-control and has a filter and knows when to share their heart and when to just be silent and listen and walk in love with another person. I want to be a person who lives by the promises of God and builds his life on the Word of God because Jesus said if we'll do that, it's a firm foundation for us. Don't delay it starts with a personal relationship with Jesus. Whether you're young or old, listen. Hear the words of the wisest man in the Old Testament. Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth. Before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened and the clouds do not return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men bow down when the grinders cease because they are few and those who look out the windows grow dim 
When the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low, when one rises up at the sound of a bird, anything wakes you. And all the daughters of music are brought low. And they are afraid of height and the terrors in the way. When the almond trees blossom, when the grasshopper is a burden and desire fails. For man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. So remember your Creator before the silver cord is loosed or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the well. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. So what? So remember your Creator now before it's too late. There are two groups of people I want to close this message by appealing to today. One group today, you may be a senior adult and you still don't know the Lord. The prophet warns, the harvest is ended, the summer is past, and we are not saved. When I did ministry in nursing homes for many years as a young preacher, it always alarmed me the number of senior adults that I would run into who did not know the Lord. And they were rapidly approaching the day when they were going to stand before Him face to face. Oh, what a fearful thing to have wasted your whole life and come down to the end and be about to step across in the presence of God and you don't even know Him. What a fearful thing. If that's you today, don't delay another day. Do not wait. Do not tarry. Today, come and meet the Lord Jesus. Come and surrender your heart. Come and ask God to forgive your sin and to save you and put your trust in Jesus and His death and resurrection. But there's another person I'm talking to today. And that is the person who thinks that this message has nothing to do with them because they are so young that this whole morning has been irrelevant to them. Oh, how deceived your heart would be if you believe that. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth because what you don't realize now as a young person is this. Your age is sort of like the speedometer on your car. When you're driving eight miles an hour, it takes forever to get anywhere. And when you're eight years old, a day seems like a month, right? And a year of school seems like 10 years. When you're 15, it's the same way, right? You're going a little faster now. Things move along, and yet things move so slowly. Then you get up to about 40 miles an hour in life, and you begin to realize things are moving on quickly now. The days are still long, but the years are getting shorter and shorter. And you can't believe that it's already September of 2019. You just looked up and flipped the day timer over from January or February, and here we are, almost wrapping up another year. Well, if you think it's fast at 40, wait till you see how quickly life comes as you push down the accelerator and your life hits 60 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour. And all the people who are driving up in those numbers said, Amen. It just moves so fast. It's just clipping by you. And the problem with that is if you delay, if you put off getting right with God, it gets harder and harder the longer you wait. If you think there are reasons now to delay, you just wait for all the excuses the devil will give you later for not getting right with God. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Think about it now. Don't delay beginning a relationship with God. I believe the senior saints in this room who've walked with him for many years will tell you the best decision they ever made in life by far was not their 401k or their education. It was not their career choice or paying down their debt early. 
It was not even their choice of a spouse, as important as that was. But they would tell you that the greatest decision they ever made was that somewhere on the journey to trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior and to surrender their life to Him and begin walking with stumbling steps as best they could, putting their feet in His footprints. That's the best decision they ever made. Is that true, senior adults? Amen. So if you haven't done that yet, whether you're old or young, I challenge you today, let today be the day when you remember the Creator, when you surrender your heart to Jesus and you trust Him and you're saved. We're going to sing a song. We're going to dismiss in just a moment. But if you need to come and pray, if you need to begin or repair a broken relationship with God today, I invite you to come. Come and pray with us today. Father, in Jesus' name, seal to our heart your word. Don't let the urgency of this moment escape us. You have called us, and for a few minutes, we've been pulled out of the crazy busyness of the world around us. Our hearts have been stilled long enough to hear your voice and for your word to speak to us. Lord, may today we hear your voice and not harden our heart. May we remember you and turn to you and surrender to you and trust in you and become yours in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. If you need to pray, the altar's open. We're going to sing and then we're going to dismiss. Don't miss the opportunity to come and pray and mend your relationship with God through faith in Jesus. Chad, lead us in song today. Let's sing. Thank you for listening to our podcast at The Hill. We pray that you are blessed by this message. For more information on what's happening at the Hill and to stay connected, visit our website at forcehillcog.org or download our app from the iTunes or Google Play Store.